Hello there. Welcome back to another episode of Digital Dialogues. I'm Paul Barlow, one of the hosts of the Digital Dialogue series. In each episode, we take you on a journey through some of the biggest digital questions in the asset-intensive industry. Each episode is focused on a different topic and has some interesting guests providing expertise and real-life insight into the topic at hand. The aim is to unpack and discuss each of these in detail and what they mean for you and your organization. But before we get into it, let me take a moment to remind you to follow us on LinkedIn for more insights and resources for EAM professionals and leaders wanting to improve asset operations, processes, and efficiency. The link is in our description below. In this episode, we'll be discussing the Asset Maturity Roadmap Service, identification of the stumbling blocks in key business areas like planning, logistics, system structures, and user experience are key to identifying pain points holding your business back. The Asset Maturity Roadmap Service will plot a course to systemically adopt a continuous improvement mode of operation for people and processes so that you can apply technology more effectively and move up the asset management maturity curve. Today we're joined by Martin van der Zayden, the Platform Services Delivery Manager at Certus Digital. Welcome Martin, how's your day going? Oh, it's a pleasure and the day's going extremely well. Let's hope it carries on. I say it's nearing the end and it's a beautiful day outside. It could be a far worse situation for both of us. We could be fishing. That actually doesn't sound like a bad way to spend the afternoon. First question I've got for you, Certus has launched an asset maturity platform service, which is aimed at identifying the asset management orientated improvement initiatives that will improve client outcomes. But what is asset maturity and why is it important? Well, being a digital native, I uh, sorry, a digital immigrant, I'm hardly a digital native, <laughs> being a digital immigrant, my first port of call when I thought you'd asked me this question was go to my old mate ChatGPT and ask uh, they what they thought. And what came back from me was was pretty predictable. Um, asset maturity refers to a stage of development or evolution in a business or an asset or a process, uh, typically measured in terms of its stability and how much how grown up it is. I guess for us, why is it important? The in itself, it's probably not important. Uh, in an organisation. Uh, all sorts of uh, processes and outcomes are at all sorts of stages of maturity all the time. So what is important is that overall the maturity of what a business is doing is uh, at least as good as required to meet the level of standard for that business. So for a utility, for example, meeting regulator requirements for a customer service business, meeting the expectations of its stakeholders and customers. Maturity, therefore, is more of a relative term to describe how evolved a business is in terms of uh, making its numbers, making its KPIs, meeting its statements of corporate intent. As somebody who's got a few more grey hairs than he likes to admit, I'm really glad to hear that maturity isn't something that's set in stone like that. It's a little bit more subjective. It's good to hear. Um, With Certus being an EAM and software solutions provider, what is the driver for this change? Our focus has always been on business outcomes. While we focused on EAM systems, uh, there were there's data consumed by those systems, there's process delivered by those systems. So for us, it's always been about how business uses the data and the systems to put uh, better business practices into the hands of its people. For us, the EAM platform is a powerful component, but the the data-driven insights and industry standards allow us to to better shape where an organization should be 
based on what they have to achieve in a regulatory, statutory, customer service sort of sense. So it's a maturity and the uh, the measurement of uh, how mature processes and data and systems are is key to us to identify challenges and the priorities of solving those challenges for a business. So for us, that's the driver. It's about it's not about trying to get to, to level five and you know typically maturity is level is, is measured in levels one to five where one is uh, chaotic and 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 where there's no process and, and five is nirvana where everything heals itself before anything goes wrong most new zealand australian organizations are somewhere in that 2.7 to 3.2 level where they've got systems they've got processes and our job is trying to size up how how to improve those levels to to get them more innovation or better efficiency or better customer satisfaction and then the order of priority in which to do that so how do we know this isn't the next shiny object or sort of buzzword in the industry well it, it might be uh, it reminds me of something Greta Thunberg once said that you know what's the worst that can happen? We we end up with a, a cleaner, healthier planet. <laughs> you know, so uh, if we <laughs> so if we spend if we spend our time uh, working on operational efficiency and trying to drive better practice and better use of data and and understanding how good data is and how our systems consume it and making it easier for our teams to do the job, what could possibly go wrong? So yes, like it could it. be a buzzword. Yeah. This is this is just one way of bringing together consulting methodologies in a way that make good use of people's resources, people's time, people's money, uh, and uh, and generates outcomes that are prioritised with the needs of the organisation. So then, what are some of the challenges that would be associated with prioritising asset maturity? Well, everybody has problems in their business. I'm a business. Uh, I, I operate a business, and I've got problems in my business. Everybody we've ever dealt with has problems in their business. And sometimes when you're uh, you're out draining the swamp, and there's just you're surrounded by those alligators, it's hard to know which one to fight off first. So, you know, the main the main challenge for us is recognizing that all, not all classes of problems are equal, and the ones that are are going to bite you first are the ones you need to deal with first. And and we go to data for that. In the past, we've probably gone and talked to the to our customers and said, you know, what are your problems? What does what does better look like? How can we help you achieve them? We asked a lot of questions, and then then we collectively with the customer went on to deliver solutions against that. Three to four months down the track, you know, people going, well, I know that's what we asked, but it's not quite what we wanted. And mm-hmm. so we're going now to the data to say, well, I know you you perceive these to be the problems. So let's try and uh, use the data to work out what your problems really are. So we analyze the data, things like uh, work order completion, uh, asset performance, asset uh, location, how well we understand the asset, what the data quality is. So how confident can we be using that data that any uh, analysis uh, points us in the right direction? And and that to us is the is the greatest challenge is actually the real priorities the uh, getting away from the perception and moving more toward uh, uh, the things that we can really change to shift the dials on a business. To me, it sounds a little bit like the reason why artificial intelligence is never going to take over for graphic designers, because for that to happen, the, the customer would need to know what they actually need or want, 
which they, an artificial intelligence can't interpret the vagueness that you get as a graphic designer and a description of what a client wants. I'm kind of curious, how does a solution like Asset Maturity Roadmaps then actually improve a business's ability to perform? Well, I'd like to think that artificial intelligence one day can take away a lot of the scut work of working out those priorities. Um, you know, unlike it, it's creative in a way, but it's also prescriptive in a way. You know, you're looking for um, uh, evidence of of um, inefficiency or evidence of repeat. Uh, you know, trying to solve something many times and still not getting it right, and, and things still break down. So, yeah, artificial intelligence and machine learning, deep machine learning, and digital printing—all those things—I think have a great uh, future to help us to make our decisions better. But, but it seems to me that um, uh, that even though the the problems are very similar, every customer is slightly different, and the context of the solution is slightly different, and the people who are going to implement those solutions and and in digital transformation, I think the reason that so many digital transformation efforts fail is that in the end, somebody has to do, or probably many somebodies, have to do things differently using different skills, different uh, data, different systems to make transformation work. So the uh, you know the benefits uh, of uh, of this approach are very much about being. Um, being able to take small slices of work, look, look at the constraints, who's available to do this, is the organisation ready to accept change, can we build a new uh, a GL structure so we can get better cost management in place, or is that just going too far, should we really focus on how we close work orders and collect better data so that we've got uh, a better statistical base for assessing uh, improvements in a couple of years' time. You know, those sort of decisions need to be made. Once again, the data drives us on this, but uh, the um, the patterns and the the international frameworks that exist to help us, like ISO fifty five thousand, uh, are also important. So that uh, we're um, we're standing on the shoulders of giants and trying to work out what other people have done and how other people have been successful, and then use those benchmarks to take them forward to help other clients be successful, even though they might be completely different uh, uh, businesses. But the things we're trying to to, to solve, the, the, the serious things we're trying to solve, obviously, are things like uh, risk. So where breakdowns introduce environmental or health and safety risks, as well as disruption to service to customers. And uh, but, you know the cost of reactive work is three to four times as high as planned work. So planning becomes really important. Uh, Planning is not something you do two days ahead and, and then, well, not always, can be, but generally should be something that you, you when you plan, uh, it's part of a longer term program and it takes all those constraints in place. Have I got the materials? Can I get access to the asset? Can I take the asset out of uh, circulation long enough to maintain it? Is it worth doing? Uh, is, it, is it ever failing? You know, Do I need to maintain it at all? Those, those sort, of, uh, sort of very practical considerations uh, all weigh into it. And so asset maturity is is a catch-all for all of these things. And as I say, it's not really the asset maturity, but it's how how the business, how efficient, how operationally efficient the business is in using its data, using its systems to help its people to do a good job. Sort of thinking about those those steps that you put in place to get to that asset maturity level where you're pre-planning, you've got these little sort of segments of things that people have to be done and get out of the way. Um, if you get 90% of them done, 
is that better than doing nothing at all? Or is it you haven't gone all the way, so what's the point? Help. You're a very ambitious man, Paul. Our, uh, yeah. if, we, if we get 30, 30% improvement in the first tranche, this is, you know, it's a, it's not a, it's a, it's a marathon event. Uh, mm-hmm. And we, uh, because we'd like to measure along the way. So we don't want to go too far. So if we, uh, one of the ways that we find it works for companies is because everyone's resource constrained. Nobody's got a bunch of people, a bunch of smart, experienced people just sitting around waiting for a project to do. They've all got a day job. You know, they're all nose to the wheel uh, trying to make the business hum. So whenever we, we uh, you know, ride in on our white charges and say digital transformation, asset maturity, let's go, everyone's going, when am I going to fit this in? So, you know, so so we've got, we have to we have to be quite uh, uh, disciplined about how we pitch these things. So, and that's part of working with customers saying, okay, well, if we if we made this a um, five week sprint and it was uh, and we need um, uh, you know twenty hours a week from from a couple of your SMEs, is that going to work? No, okay, fifteen hours a week. Let's make it a seven week sprint, you know, and and just so cut so that the uh, uh, the process itself is sustainable. And at the end of it, let's stop. Let's stop. We and you know the the time is the time. Uh, what changes is not necessarily uh, the um, uh, the time, but the scope. We might not have achieved everything, or we might have achieved some other things that we had in our backlog that we pulled in because we had some extra time. But whatever it is. Uh, we frame it up at the end. We do a showcase. We, we walk the business through it, and then we measure. You know, over the next uh, few weeks or months, depending on what sort of work it is, we measure, and we look at whether the dials have changed, and then we plan for the next one. You know? And so it becomes a process that is uh, that people can stick to. You know, it's a it's like a diet you can stick to, um, because it's, I've it's, never been good at that, but I get the I get the analogy. <laughs> Well, fortunately, you don't need to, but but uh, if you had to, you know, you'd like it to be something that wasn't going to starve you uh, or wear you out. And mm-hmm. and this program, the program that we're uh, we're putting in place, is very much like that. We we're accepting the fact that uh, we'd love to do more. We'd love to have greater ambitions, like a ninety percent. But if we can get a ten, twenty, thirty percent uh, movement in the areas that we're focused on, that's a really good start. And then we might find. You know, we haven't gone too far. We're, we're maybe you know, uh, five, twelve weeks down the down the track. Um, we do some measurement. We find out that actually the next steps aren't the ones we thought, because we've okay. had collateral benefits, had collateral benefits out of the first uh, couple of sprints, and uh, we actually need. We now can just leave those other bits because they've been picked up. Uh, the process has picked them up, or the data's picked them up, and uh, we can look at at the next big gnarly problem on the stack. And use the same approach on that. In terms then of building an asset maturity roadmap, is it a big picture thing here, generally with steps along the way, or do you tend to go, this is where one of the the best invitations we can get is somebody who's just been through an organisation that's just been through a um, uh, you know a, a big study, a big digital transformation mm-hmm. study, and they've ended up with a with uh, Huge bill and a four hundred page report that that is filled amazing things that you know undoubtedly amazing things and, and always you know always provides good uh, source material for any any practically focused program that might follow it 
But what we're saying is that uh, that you know, if you if you end up with this four hundred page report that you can't process, nothing you haven't transformed anything because it goes back to that definition. Somebody's got to do something differently, and that doesn't mean read the report you know, or, or think in different ways. You know, you have to have teams of people who have been who are using a different system or using a different process to achieve a materially different outcome. That's what transformation is. Uh, so our, the asset maturity approach. Uh, keeps us pretty close to that. Keeps us grounded with, uh, uh, with you know, the data, the real data. So get away from those perceptions. Uh, how to best use systems to put uh, process and automation in the hands of people to do things better. So what then are some of the common signs that a company may be lacking direction in their asset maturity strategy? Well, there's good, there's spectacular ones like you know, mountains of uh, sewage running down the main street or or up. Um, you know, internationally, if in New Zealand, like my hometown, <laughs> you need to change your holiday location. Oh, yeah. The, um, <laughs> the uh, you know, internationally, uh, when people are measuring uh, power outages, you know, especially in the developing world, it could be in days and months. In New Zealand, it's it's in minutes, and you know, and in some places, not that many minutes every year. Uh, but but power outages or or gas shortages or you know uh, um, or even worse, you know, injuries and deaths, things like that. They're they're the obvious, the the the, the uh, chaotic and extreme signs that things are going wrong. But it might be something as simple as uh, falling behind your peers in a in a industry benchmark. It might be as simple as uh, being outsold because somebody's just a bit more agile in your space and the space you thought was yours than you are. It might be that uh, you've been audited by an industry group or a statutory group and you've got some big black marks and, you know, there's all sorts of ways of working it out. But for, uh, for, the, for a lot of our customers, they've just, um, uh, they've just, you know, they spent maybe the last decade in asset management and maintenance management, putting systems in place, putting policy, procedure, uh, systems, automation, uh, training. In place, and so they've they've got to that middling level of maturity, which is based around having an approach, having a practice, having methodologies for doing things, and then having policy to back that up. Maybe having management oversight to make sure, and having SLAs to measure that that generally things are going okay. So you think, well, you know, maybe they're okay, uh, but they don't seem to think they are because they all want to achieve more. You know, I you know my budgets. Uh, regulators are saying I need to do more with my budgets. I need to deliver more and and cost the same, or or deliver a little bit less and cost a lot less. You know, which are whatever the the um, uh, metric is. So those sort of uh, and you can always improve. You know, continuous mm-hmm. improvement uh, isn't just a byline. It's it's a it's a possibility. You know, and for some companies, it's a strategy. That was actually going to be my next question, Chris. Do you have any tips on? how to get an organization into the mindset that continuous improvement is something that they should be focusing on or sort of starting to bake into the culture of their company. Yeah, I mean, what it and generally the drivers tend to be a little bit different for, depends on whether they're a large organization or a small organization or government or private sector or they're driven by profit or they're driven by um, uh, asset valuation, like many of the utilities are. You know, they've got different drivers for what's successful. Um, so for us, it's it's about it goes back to the data. Let's find a good re- let's let's not just get into continuous improvement because it sounds like you should. 
uh, let's get into it because it has some real business benefits associated with it. And let's uh, try and identify what those are. And there are, and there are a number of different areas like supply chain, though. So you have the cost of buying and buying goods and using goods, the cost of storing goods, you know, that, that gets in there. The, uh, the capital efficiency, how you use your capex budgets, making sure that if you've got, uh, you know, if you've got a hundred million dollars to spend on, on extension and refurbishment projects, that you spend them on the right projects. Cause you've, you always have more projects than money. If you're going to if you're going to do maintenance, make sure you're not doing regretful maintenance. Maintenance that is uh, um, that that is in a plan, so you mature because you've got a plan, and the plan spat out that you have to uh, go and um, uh, inspect and repair all these cabinets every year. But then when you go to them and you find out that they're actually okay, you don't you don't need to touch them. So give them a wash, maybe, maybe give them, you know, lubricate, maybe uh, touch up some corrosion. But by and large, you could have left that for a year. And so if you take, you know, take a thousand cabinets and you didn't uh, uh, didn't do anything with this year, put it into the the uh, the three um, things that did fail in the year. Put, you know, use your money more wisely. So that's what, that's the compelling, you, you, but compelling reason to do it. You just need to have the data behind you. And, and that's probably the biggest change that we've made is we focus, uh, we, you know, we still focus on what customers says and their perceptions of problems and how the, what success looks like and how better uh, might feel like. But we put the data into it. We back ourselves on the data. And we're continuing to develop um, analysis uh, techniques that, uh, that drive that data a lot harder and provide a compelling reason for companies to invest in, in changes in specific areas rather than just generalized improvement. I love the idea of building a better everything based on data. I think it's the way to go. It makes a lot more sense than to basically leave it to your emotions or to try and create a plan based on how you feel things should be going or want things to be going. Data building is, is essential for that. So it's really good to well, hear that. Well, I'm an engineer, so I don't have emotions. But, but, if, I, but if I did, I'd agree 100% <laughs> with you. Fair enough. Yeah, I try to avoid them myself as much as possible. But it, that's, how, it that's, how old we are. that's how mature we are. Exactly. That's where the grey hair comes from. <laughs> Definitely. Martin, thank you very much for joining me today. It's been really informative and fantastic to learn more about this. Um, what we're going to do is leave a link in the bio so people can track down where to find you. Um, anything else you want to get off your chest while you're here? Any other sort of final thoughts on the on the topic at hand? Do I need to say data? I don't think I'll say data again. Look, it's no. it is it's a process. It's an evolving process. It's uh, it shouldn't be hard work, uh, and it should always trace business value. So for us, it's uh, it, it's a, it's a great way. It's a great new approach uh, that's leading to some pretty good outcomes. Fantastic. Thank you very much. It's great to see that services like the Asset Maturity Roadmap can help businesses get where they need to go. Um, like I said before, we'll leave a link in the bio. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Don't forget to download other episodes in the series. Super easy to find everything that you need. Until next time, have a great day.